Christmas. Right. Say it again. Don't miss Christmas. It's an amazing thing to understand because there are people who miss Christmas. It's crazy. And actually, the Bible talks about people who have actually missed Christmas. And believe it or not, it actually tells us why they miss Christmas. I'm just going to share with you a little bit. We're going to do Mark. Uh, if you want to, if you have a Bible, if you have your phone Bible, Luke two and Matthew two is mainly where we're going to be. But I'll just read it for you, and we'll move through this. But I want you to understand some things. And it came to pass in those days that a decree out went, when a, this is uh, uh, Luke chapter two. Luke the physician is telling us a story from Caesar Augustus in the world that the world should be registered. Caesar's just coming into power. He wants to know how many people are under his influence, and so he commands the whole world. Everyone that is under the reign of his realm or under his realm to go to the place of their birth because he's conducting a census. This census took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered. This is how the birth of Jesus came to pass. This is how he ends up being born in Bethlehem. His family was living in Nazareth at the time, but because the Romans invoked a census, his father's birth family was from Bethlehem. Therefore, they had to move to Bethlehem in order for the census to take place. Unbeknownst to all, the prophecy was that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But Mary was pregnant with Jesus and she wasn't living in Bethlehem. And so God uses ordered circumstances, governmental situations, uh, physical things to move about and to bring his will to pass. And so Augustus orders a census. Mary and Joseph have to move to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem in Judea, the city of David. And Mary is engaged to be married. And it says, while they were there and the days were completed for her to be delivered, she brought forth a son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloth and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for her in the end. Before we talk about people who miss Christmas, this is the part of the story that people don't, don't, don't understand. Mary gave birth to Jesus by herself. How'd you like to try that one on, ladies? Anybody? Anybody want to try that one on? She gave birth to Jesus. The Bible's very implicit and very specific with the language. It's emphatic and it's singular. She bore him by herself. She swaddled him by herself. So when the baby was born, the baby would be washed, wrapped in swaddling cloth, and then covered in a blanket. And then she, and it says she placed him in a manger. And this is Luke the physician is the one who highlights this. Because he's a doctor. And he understands this is, this is mind-blowing. You say, what's the significance of it? Well, there's a couple of different pieces of significance here from the, from the one perspective, because the first guy that missed Christmas was the innkeeper, and he was indifferent all the way around. He was so busy with other things, he didn't even care or know what was going on in his own backyard. And he was very indifferent to, uh, to um, Mary's condition. But it also testifies of Jesus, because Jesus came for the lonely. Jesus came for the isolated. And he literally was born... In loneliness. He literally was born in isolation. There were no midwives around Mary. None. You know? And so it's a testimony. It's also a symbolism over Christ himself of why he came and what he came to do and really how deep this issue goes. The one who came for our loneliness was born in loneliness. The one who came for our isolation was born in isolation. Is that crazy? And it also speaks of the innkeeper. He's the first guy to miss Christmas. Why? He was too busy. He was busy, right? Mary and Joseph show up. My wife's pregnant. Hey, we need room for the end. We're here for the census. Hey, don't have any room. Well, but because she's pregnant, I guess you guys can have the barn, right? He didn't know any midwives. The guy couldn't help out in any way. There wasn't any lady staying in the end that could come out and help her give birth. Because in that culture, birth was a communal thing. You didn't give birth by yourself. You just, it just didn't happen. Yet that's what happened here. 
And why was the innkeeper so indifferent? Because business was a booming. Okay? His inn is full. He's busy with all of the cares and all of the upkeep. He's busy cashing checks and taking in the money. And he was so busy that he didn't care. It wasn't that, it wasn't that he was against it. He just was too busy. This is why people miss Jesus. This is why people miss Christmas. Is because we get all caught up and we get all consumed in the cares of this world. I'm on a quest to, to bring about a new saying at Christmas time. Okay? My quest is not definitely not happy holidays. I'm not even saying Merry Christmas anymore. I'm saying happy birthday, Jesus. Everywhere I go, people go, happy holidays. I go, happy birthday, Jesus. Everywhere I go. And I was in the store the other day and somebody said, happy holidays. And I said, I just paused and I said, I did it really slow. I said, happy birthday, Jesus. And like four people turned around and looked at me. And the cashier looks at me and goes, it is Jesus's birthday. (laughs) And I'm like, you think? In the noise of all of this, we forget who this is really all about, right? Now the debate, was he born on the 25th or was he not? That's a large theological debate. I could go into that. I'm not even going to get into that. The point is, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically when he, when he was born. So the Lord is perfectly okay with a season that's set aside to celebrate him because there is no specific date. It's a debatable thing. As to, was Jesus born on the 25th? Was he not born on the 25th? Was he born in December? Was he born in September? Was he born in April? Was he born in May? There's all these debates over when Jesus was born. And the reason there's a debate, because the Bible doesn't tell us. So the church adopted this as a season of which this birth was. Because, you know, really, what the Bible's pointing to isn't so much his birth. The Bible is pointing to his crucifixion. The Bible is pointing to his resurrection. His birth is important because he's born of a virgin. Right? If you were here on Sunday, you heard me talk all about that. Right? So his birth is important, but really it's not showing us the significance of the day of his birth so much as it's showing, it will show you the significance of the day that he was crucified and it will show you the significance of the day that he was resurrected. Those two dates have prophetic meaning. This is Jesus who was born to die. And this innkeeper was so consumed with things. This is what we do, right? This is what we do. On this time of year, like probably next week, you all will be cleaning out your closets or your garages you know, because of all the junk, all, the, all of the things that you couldn't live without. Somebody gives you a bunch of gifts or, you know, you get visa cards or whatever it is we do around here. You know, we drive by when we go up to Orlando all the time. We drive by the, we used to do this. We haven't done this in a while. We would drive by, you know, there's like probably three trash mountains. I don't know if you've ever been drive up to Orlando Way. You pass not just one, probably two, but three trash mountains. We used to roll the windows down and say, everybody take a deep breath. That is the smell of all of the things you couldn't live without right there. That's what that smell is. We spend our lives amassing things and taking care of things and we get lost in the noise and we miss not just what Christmas is all about, we miss Jesus entirely. And if those people, the people who do not, who miss Christ entirely, you're going to wake up in an eternity without God. It's just that simple. We must be born again and Jesus is the Savior. He's not one, He is the Savior. Matthew chapter 2, the second guy that missed Christmas is a dude named Herod. This is Matthew's story, Matthew's gospel. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Judea, in the days of Herod, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where's the one who's born king of the Jews? For we have seen his stars in the east, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod, the king at the time, heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod so troubled? Well, I'll tell you in a second. I'll read the second part of this. Then Herod secretly called the wise men to him. So he has this caravan show up and he calls him. He says, hey, you guys are here to find the, the guy who was born king of the Jews. Well, go find him. And when you find him, come back to me and let me know. 
And he brings the wise men to him, determines to, to them, when did you start seeing his star? Because you said his star appeared. When did you see this? And he says, they tell him the time. And he says, okay, go to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I too may worship him. So what happens is, is a bunch of mages, a bunch of magi, a bunch of wise men, they were magi, they were kings of the east. It wasn't three of them that showed up in Jerusalem, it was a caravan. There would have probably been several hundred people just show up, carrying treasures and gifts and all sorts of things. They think there's three wise men because there were three gifts. There wasn't just one gift of incense, there probably was multiple gifts of incense. There wasn't one gift of gold, there was probably multiple gifts of gold. You see, there was a caravan of people that showed up. And so it would be like all this noise is happening. And Herod wants to know, why are you here? And they're saying, we're come to find the one who was born king of the Jews. Well, here's the problem. Herod at the time was the king of the Jews. He was not of the line of David. He was a puppet king appointed by the government of the day, which was Rome. So even though he wasn't a king of the David of David's line, he because the Romans didn't want the, David's line on the throne, they wanted somebody they could control. So they put this guy on the throne, a puppet king named Herod. And so Herod's concern is the one who's born king of the Jews. Well, if he's born king of the Jews, then I'm king of the Jews. So when this guy comes forth, I'm going to have to give up my throne. I'm going to have to give up my rulership. I'm going to have to give up everything that I control and I'm afraid of the demands that he's going to place upon my life because I'm now going to have to submit my rulership to his. And so he's very concerned. He missed it. He feigned worshipped. He missed missed Christmas. He missed the Messiah. He missed the whole game, the whole story because of fear and pride. He feared it would cost him his throne and he feared he would have to give up his personal rulership. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Can anybody relate to that on a human level? Because that's exactly what people do. I talk to people all the time and they don't want to come to Jesus because they're afraid of what they have to give up. Are you kidding me? It has nothing to do with what you give up. It has everything to do with what you gain. You're looking at trinkets when he's offering you treasure. You're holding on to tin when he's offering you gold. And people won't come to Jesus because they, like Herod, don't want to give up the rulership of their life. They're afraid of the demands that Jesus may place upon them. They're concerned about that. So what happens? People try to kill him. How do we kill him? We try to alter him. That's part of our American culture. We alter Jesus. We create a toothless lion, fairy Jesus, who just floats around and makes everybody feel good. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Right? So we alter him. We try to get rid of him by altering who he is. We think he's like Mother Teresa. We think he's like Buddha. He's just like everybody else. So we take Jesus and we diminish his lordship. We take Jesus and we diminish his kingship. We take Jesus and we diminish his dominion. And we make him like everybody else and neuter him. So we do. Or we just try to kill him through outright denial. <laughs> Herod goes, go kill the children under two. He sent forth his armies to go because he realized the wise men didn't go back and tell him. And he realized the star had appeared a couple of years before. And so these guys had been traveling a long distance. Months was their journey. What did they see? They were worshipers of fire. These were, these were the, 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 the Persian religion was called Zoroastrianism. And they worshipped fire and they worshipped astronomy. They saw signs in the stars and they would look at the flame and they would discern omens through the flame. They're actually, you know, and they would also uh, interpret stars. 
And they saw a star being born that hadn't been born in thousands of years in the constellation. It was in the, in the, uh, the constellation Leo. Specifically, there's a star in Leo called Regulus and a star formed out of Regulus, which is the king star. They saw it. So there was a physical manifestation of a star being born and there was a supernatural manifestation of a star or a presence or a light that moved over the manger. That's the Shekinah. So we have a physical star and we have a presence star. And the, the, the light that shone over the manger because it's the star that moved and hovered. I mean, no, that doesn't happen too often. But there was a light that did in the Old Testament called the glory of God, the Shekinah glory. The glory had departed. The glory left Israel in the book of Ezekiel. And that light hovering over the manger, we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten Father. The Lord tabernacled. The Lord had come. The Shekinah glory had come. Jesus, the glory had come back in the form of Jesus Christ. So there we have not just the physical star, which is what they followed, but there was also the supernatural star of the glory that was now appearing over Bethlehem that guided them. Crazy. And so they try to, they freak out. And so Herod doesn't, Herod's like, I got to get rid of this guy. And that's what most people do. Because Jesus, the gospel, when it's presented, it shows you you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Buddha can't save you. Allah can't save you. Finances can't save you. PhD can't save you. Nothing can save you except Jesus. But people are afraid that it's going to cost them their throne, their rulership, their dominion, what I want, when I want it. It's going to cost me. I can't have fun anymore. You know, I got to give up my immorality. Yeah. How's that immorality working out for you? How's your greed actually working out for you? Right. How's your selfishness? What is your selfishness really producing in your life? What does your life look like that because you're the ruler of it? Maybe it's time for a change in ruler. You ever thought of that? A lot of levels you can hit this on. And so Herod went to kill the boy. A lot of people try to kill him through denying him, denying him, denying him. He's not who he says he is. The third group of people is a group called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. These are religious leaders. The religious leaders of the day. Now I want to give you a little background here briefly. These religious leaders were part of a system that for thousands of years, dating all the way back to Moses, were looking for and expecting a Messiah. Okay? All the way from the book of Genesis forward, they, there's a prophecy that a Messiah is going to be born. These guys knew it. Their whole family knew it. Their whole culture knew it. They were educated in the Word of God. That would be like somebody studying the Word of God from morning to evening every single day of their life. That's what these guys did. Herod asked them, where's the boy going to be born? An immediate response. They didn't go and research it. They didn't go, hold on, Herod, we'll get back to you tomorrow. We're going to go look it up and make sure we're right. They come cruising in in the middle of the night, probably rubbing sleep from their eyes, and look at the king and like, why? What do you got us up at two in the morning for? Because the king summoned the Sadducees and the Pharisees to himself because the Magi are in front of him. And he goes, where is the king Messiah to be born? Because that's what the Magi had come to ask Herod. And these Sadducees and Pharisees go right off the cuff in Bethlehem because the prophet Micah had said in Bethlehem of Judea, that's where he was going to be born. It's an amazing thing. They knew. They knew. When he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes together with the people, he inquired of them, where's the Christ to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet Micah. But in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not least among the leaders. For out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people. What's amazing about this, okay, so this is the scene. I love to highlight this scene. You have about 200 people who have traveled probably six months on a journey from Persia to Jerusalem. 
And you have a group of relig- that don't know anything except they saw a star. They came to a star. There's supposed to be a king being born here. We come to honor this new king that's being born. Where is he? They travel months. And you have a group of people that have spent their whole lives knowing exactly who this person is supposed to be. And they won't go six miles. Jerusalem and Bethlehem were six miles apart. Yet these religious leaders, the desire of their heart, the joy of everything, that they're, the hope of their expectation was just told to them, is born six miles away, and not one of them went. Not one of them. Religious indifference happens very much. Bethlehem was six miles away. They were indifferent. They didn't see, first of all, they didn't see a need for their salvation. They were trusting in their religion. A lot of people don't see the need that they need to be saved. They have no clue. They don't don't feel like they need to be saved. There's nothing wrong with me. These guys didn't. They trusted in their... They said, Abraham's our father. We're saved through our religion. Grandma was a Catholic. Grandpa was a Baptist. I went to church three times when I was a kid. I'm okay. My good works are going to outweigh my bad works. I'm fine. They saw no need for their salvation. They knew of Jesus, but they didn't care. They were safe and secure in their religious framework and their religious thinking. They could never alter the way that they thought. And they were slaves to the idolatry of their minds. People say, here's Romans for you. People say, well, the Jews Jews believed that they were saved just by the fact that they were Jews. Romans says this, does the Jew have any advantage? And Paul says, none at all. For we make it plainly before all, and we charge all that Jew and Gentile all are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. They needed a savior. They thought they had one in their religion. They thought they had one because they were born of Abraham. Jesus said, don't say you have Abraham as your, ch- as your, ch- as your, as your father. I'll raise up stones from Abraham. I can raise up sons of Abraham from these stones. They refused to set Jesus to a higher priority than themselves. To these people, Jesus was unnecessary and Jesus was an inconvenience. We have a world today that sees Jesus, A, as unnecessary... And B, they see him as an inconvenience. Religious people and even religious, con- con- uh, religious Christians. It's an amazing thing at this time of year, right? We will honor our families, but we won't honor the, fam- we won't honor the one that the holiday is all about. To your credit, to your honor, you are here this night honoring Jesus on a day that's really all about him. It's not about the turkey. It's not about the spiral ham. It's not about the gifts under the tree. It's about the gift that was in the manger. The son that was given. All of that other stuff is nothing but noise. He is what it's all about. We honor Him before we honor anything else. And yet people feel that they have no need. No need. Oh, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to honor God. I don't need to this. I don't need to that. Because they're locked in a religious tradition. And they think that they're okay when they're really not. Really not. We have to be born again. Just because grandma went to church doesn't mean you're saved. Just because grandma went to church and grandma believes in Jesus doesn't mean you are. All must be born again. All must come unto Christ. All must leave their throne like Herod. All must travel, not just six miles. How about six inches of the heart? Just moving the heart six inches from you to him. All of us have to travel. All of us have to come to him. The, The fourth group of people that miss Jesus... I got two more, so if you're wondering, how many people actually miss Jesus? Five, okay, so we're on four. Almost done. Hang in there with me. Like, was this like 12 people? I mean, like, how many, how many are there? <laughs> the fourth group that missed Jesus was the Romans. 
It came to pass in the days of Caesar Augustus that the world would be registered. This is an amazing thing. Every, the entire life of Jesus and the beginning and the inbreaking of the church and the kingdom of God in the earth through the church began under the Roman Empire. He was born under the Roman Empire. He was crucified under the Roman Empire. He was resurrected under the Roman Empire. The church was brought forth into the Roman world. Jesus' life and resurrection was right in the center of the Roman culture. Jerome, John chapter 1 says, He was in the world, but the world was made through Him. But the world, the cosmos, the world system did not know Him. That's what the Romans represent. The world as it is today. The culture. A culture, the Roman culture was, any God you want to worship, it's okay, as long as you worship the emperor above all other gods. You, you could worship the grass. You could worship the cows of the field, the trees. You could worship anything you wanted. You could worship your, your hair. I mean, you could worship whatever. Your wealth, as long as whatever you worshiped was subjected to the emperor. As long as the emperor, as long as you said, emperor and Caesar worship, Caesar is the supreme God. They were like, okay, that's cool. Worship anything else you want. As long as you put the state above your faith, it's okay. As long as you put the laws above your faith, it's okay. As long as you put the opinions of the culture above your faith, it's okay. They were buried in idolatry. Idolatry. Everybody had another God. Jesus was just one among many. He's not one among many. He's the one and only. He's not. We live in a world today that wants to just mirror and swim Jesus and mix Him in with everything else. Jesus is a good man. Jesus is like Mother Teresa. No, He's not. Jesus is like Gandhi. No, He's not. Jesus and Allah are the same God. No, they're not. Jesus and Krishna are the same thing. No, they're not. There's one, only one, who died and rose again and lives forevermore, and His name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every name will bow and every tongue will confess. It's not at the name of Buddha. It's not at the name of Allah. It's not at the name of Harvard. It's not at the name of pick something. Bank of America. New York Stock Exchange. It's not, it's not, it's not at the name of any of these things that anyone will bow. That anyone will, have, will gain salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ and Him alone. There's no other name given under heaven by which may be saved. What do we see today? We see, Christ, we see Christmas buried in idolatry. I'm going to pick on everybody, so you just hold the chair, okay? This is good. This is good. This is, this is like, this is medicine. It's going to help us. The menorah's become an idol. We worship that. You know, we have this menorah. We have menorah. Santa Claus is an idol. Can I get a witness? He's everywhere. He knows if you're naughty or nice. Now, Chris Kringle was a good guy. Santa Claus was a good guy. You know, that's why we actually have Santa Claus in our history, was because there was such a guy who was a generous person. But we've turned him into a god. You know? I'm sure if he was alive, he'd be like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He was a literal person. He did good things. He was a kind person. He was a believer. This is the rumor has it. This is how it all played. So we take the story of this guy and we set this guy up as a god. Frosty the Snowman's a god. The Grinch is a god. Can I get a witness? This is what's happened. Just like the Roman world, we, he's mixed in. And the holiday has been detracted from who he is into, into this just this culture of it's just a slurry where the meaning is completely lost. We say Merry Christmas, we don't even know what it means. Say Happy Birthday, Jesus. I dare you. Jesus. Throw it right out there. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. Have I said Jesus? Because that begs the question. It is Jesus's birthday. Then it begs the next question. Well, who is Jesus? Who was Jesus? You're invoking something with people. Because it's, it's cultural, it blinded them to the truth that was right in their midst. Their culture and all of the gods of their culture, it was, they were so saturated with it, they came, became blind to the God that was right in their midst. Right in the middle of them. The last people that, that didn't know, that kind of got lost with Christmas, it's the people of Nazareth. When Jesus, after, after these things were fulfilled, Luke chapter 2 Jesus went back, his family went back to their hometown. They left Bethlehem and went back to Nazareth. After all these things were performed according to the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And Jesus grew, say it with me, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And the Bible says he became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and he was operating in the grace of God. He was no ordinary child. We think, oh, Jesus was just like all the other children. Not not according to the Bible. (laughs) He was full of wisdom. He was spirit-filled. And he was was strong in the spirit. And he had the grace of God upon him. There's not very many people in that town, I can tell you, that had their grace upon him. Would they look at your child and they'd just go, the grace of the Lord is all over that child. Most of our children, they'd be like, let's lay hands on them. Let's pray for them. "Can Can I pray for your daughter? Can I pray for your son? You know, that's how it is. He was 12 years old and he was in the temple. And he was confounding the doctors of theology at 12 years old. This is who he is. He spent 30 years in Nazareth. The people had become so familiar with him that they failed to recognize who he truly is. See it all the time. People grow up in Christian homes but have no value for what they grew up in. No value. No value. Do not understand it. Do not un- we have a nation... That's quote-unquote, for better or worse, a Christian nation. One of the only ones that actually, you know, somebody would argue, are we really? That's not even, the debate of that isn't on the table. What is on the table is that the nation, America is called a Christian nation. I don't, can't think of a lot of nations in the world that actually holds that title. And yet our, our, our citizens are contemptuous and our citizens are under contempt. Our founding fathers, were in this nation was founded with insane religious liberties. Alex and I were just talking about, he comes from India. And I said, there's an incredible amount of religious freedom in this country because of the founding of this country. And it's related to the Christians that founded this country. You guys want to debate that? You want to rewrite history? History's there. I've seen it. I know, I know, I know the research. I know what it is. And so the, the, but the bottom line is, is that we grow up in a country where the gospel is on the radio. I mean, you've got two or three stations here in Miami on the FM dial that preach the gospel 24-7. Well, I guess they're not preaching it anymore. It's more like family-friendly music. There's one of them, maybe, that's still preaching the gospel. They're still bombarding the gospel. But we've diminished even that. We have churches on every corner. You have churches everywhere. You got church on the internet. You got your Bible on your phone. What do you want? Yet we're indifferent to it. We become indifferent. We don't realize what we're growing up into. There's no place like this nation. This, ch- this country is wealthy in the things of the Spirit. And yet a vast majority of our citizens are not born again. How is that possible? It's not believing with your mind that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's submitting your heart unto His Lordship. Mental belief does not equal conversion. 
Just because you mentally believe, that's James. You say you believe, he's talking about gnosis. He's talking about the mind. James says, you say you believe with your mind, good for you. You say you not knowingly believe, so do the demons. The demons knowingly believe the same way. It's not a knowing belief. It is a conversion and a submission of the heart. If the heart is not converted and submitted, you're not born again. And the submission and the conversion of the heart goes beyond the understanding of your mind. Your mind never understands it. So people say, i got to come to Christ. i got to understand it. You're never going to understand it. It's belief. It's not understanding that by which we're born again. They had no honor. They had contempt. They have contempt for their birth. They never understood what they grew up around. I had two dogs when I was a kid. See, I like little dogs. I don't know about y'all. I don't know what kind of dogs y'all like. I like, I like little, little dogs. I can walk around with them. I can hold them like a football. You know, they sit up on my lap. Nice little dog. Not Sherry. Sherry likes big, huge monster dogs that you can practically put on a saddle and walk them around. So for the early part of our marriage, when the kids were growing up, we had two huge dogs. Okay, I'll just tell you this. We, she used to let the one dog, Toby, was the Labrador. This dog was raised by, he comes from this kennel, really expensive dog. Somebody she was working with had the dog, but his wife got pregnant, had a baby, didn't want the dog, so she gives him to us. Pedigree animal, beautiful dog. I mean, the, co- the dog glistened in the sun. And if any of y'all ever saw my dog, Toby, but that dog would just shine, right? He was so well-bred and everything. Sherry would let him sleep in the bed with us. Up until this moment, then I would sleep and the dog came up to me, laid down in between Sherry and I, and did this with his paws and tried to push me out of the bed. (laughs) He just goes, you're out of here, dude. I'm like, what did you just do? Never again was that dog allowed in my bed. No way. This this dog got steak and eggs. We didn't feed it steak and eggs, but the guy that had it had a lot of money. And so he had a, whoever cooked it, steak and eggs. And the dog was spoiled, had everything given to us. Then we had another dog that was a street dog, Jessie. Jessie loved me. I could, Jessie, Jessie would never, when she was in the house, she always had to be within sight of me. That dog loved me. She'd just look at me and her eyes would just be like, you know, like a fawn. She would just stare at me from across the room. This dog was a street dog abandoned, abused, people threw rocks at it, you know, so we have two contrasts, we have the abused dog that's beat up, and we have the dog that's just spoiled and given everything it wants, and so we had a friend of ours give us this dog, she's like, hold the dog for 30 days, can you hold the dog for us for 30 days, Kevin, we're putting a fence up in the yard, and you know, no, 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 so what is it, like six months later, she comes back for the dog, I'm like, Dana, you're not getting your dog back now, (laughs) me and this dog are bonded. So you can just go on down to the kennel and get yourself another one, but this one's staying here. Jesse's not leaving, right? So when, Je- when we'd, o- we'd have the door open of the house, Toby would be like down the street. He'd, he's gone. Jesse, she would not even leave. She would barely go across the street. She would never leave the site of the house. She would always be in the site of the house or in the site of Sherry or myself. Because this is a dog who had nothing and knew what it was given This dog's like, I'm not going anywhere. Toby didn't have a clue what he was given, and Toby would be gone. We'd have to get in the car. Where's Toby? Where's Toby? we got to go find Toby. Toby took off again. (laughs) A lot of times people are like that. Where Christians are like that. Some of you, you grew up in Christian households. You don't even understand what it is that you've been given. You have no clue. Your parents are that street dog that got sticks hit on them and rocks thrown at them. You know, got their fur pulled out of them. They're like, 
You, you grow up in that glory and you have no connection to it. None at all. And you're like Toby. As soon as the doors open, you're off wandering the street. (laughs) Just a thought. I want to challenge you this Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss it. Don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Say this with me. I will not let preoccupation keep me from Jesus. I will not leave, I will not allow the fear of losing my throne to keep me from Jesus. I will not allow religion or religious thinking to keep me from Jesus. I will not allow idolatry and the love of other things to keep me from Jesus. And I will not allow familiarity to keep me from Jesus. So here's my challenge to you. If you're born again, my challenge to you, 2020, year of vision, go all in. All in. Rise to the level of your birth. That's our theme for the year. Live as who you truly are. Sons and daughters, rise to the level of your birth, Christian. Stop living beneath the standard of your birth. Rise to the level of your birth. If you're not a believer, I have a word for you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're safe in a religious system and you think because you had a catechism or you think because somebody signed a paper and said you're confirmed, but you know in your heart you're not really born again, today's your day. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. We're going to do a prayer and we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. We're all going to pray together. And all you got to do is just join in. Join in. It's between you and the Lord, but we want to give you an opportunity to do that. We want to give you an opportunity to receive Him this day. So we're going to do that. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of further instruction so that we'll finish our service tonight. So if you're here this evening and you never received Jesus, I want you to say this. Jesus, come on, we'll pray together. Jesus... I choose to unwrap you this Christmas. I believe you are the Savior. And I know I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to do a candlelight slash communion service. So are they bringing the candles over to the tables? I don't know who I'm supposed to ask about. Oh, you already have them? You all already have them? Oh, wonderful. I was going to say.